Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 on ESPN Las Vegas. KWWN AM Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. (laughs) But we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Back at one of our regular spots, the Westgate Superbook Sports, Superbook Sports. Friday and the NCAA tournament starting. I love this. Instead of the Thursday, we're down to the wire. So we're going to do a lot of play-by-play today. So Ari said he's going to pay all the the fines on the rights fees. 64-63. He's, he's floating in money. Come on. Uh, swimming in money. 64-63. I just missed the time, John Von Tobel. What was there, like 14 seconds left? Ohio State leads as a two-seed against the Oral Roberts. That's right. Oral Roberts has a uh, free throw coming up. Wow. Down to the nitty and the gritty here. And you are loving the last-second shot opportunities well, through these first five or six games. As a man who enjoys the NBA, the quality of play in this uh, day today has been, eh, it's been okay. It yeah. hasn't been the greatest. And uh, the final shot opportunity, which was just like a post-up and an attempt to get a hook shot over a very large man, it ultimately resulted in yeah. a foul and free throw, so you have a chance to tie the game. But uh, not not the play I would have run. No. It's, uh, but it is a good plan in college basketball where the officials are yep. over-officious all the time and will give bailouts at the end of the shot clock. So uh, we got a free throw on the way for Oral Roberts. 15 seconds left. Down one. And this is a 2-15 spot. John Murray, so exciting. You know, we had a guy bet 10,000 on Ohio State at, at 30 to 1, and then 10,000 more on Ohio State at 20 to 1. Nice. Uh-oh. Same guy this morning. Was that Von Tobel? Uh, yeah, I'm not allowed to identify the customers by name. <laughs> okay. So if I blink, rhymes with, you'll know who it was. Right. So that guy's got to be nervous, Steve. That's the point. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. Spreading this one was what, 15, <laughs> Von Tobel? I believe in that range, yes. Let yes. me double check. It was. I feel like they're just going to call a foul on Oral Roberts on the Down next the stretch possession. here. So and we got free throw up. Yeah. John Murray, it's made. We got 15 seconds left. Looking at the timeout situation. We got any timeouts left on either side? I don't think so. All I right. don't think so. So Ohio State's going here, and we'll see. At 64s, this is the way we start off the Friday show. 2-15 matchup. With cross, madness. Cross midcourt, seven seconds left. We'll see what Ohio State gets off here. One-on-one move, of course. Step, Step back, back three. Shot. Short. You know, you got you got to go to the rim there, Johnny. Uh, I would you know, think so. Duke was always the best at that in that situation. They give it to one of their guards. He'd drive it in the lane. He'd throw his arms up in the air no matter what. Yeah. Was it the uh, Even if he didn't get touched, he'd just go like this. The UCF-Duke game from a couple yeah. of years ago, and they'd right? Call a foul. They got it. Yep. They'd call a foul, and they'd go to the line. It's smart. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. Yeah. Just flail your arms as you're it, driving to the basket and you'll end up at the free throw line. It's literally what your opponent just did on the possession prior. Right. <laughs> they, they forced a, the refs to make a decision. A lot smarter than a step back three from the wing. Yep. That was terrible. Right? 
That was awful. But the story here is that Oral Roberts is more than hanging with Ohio State as a 15-point uh, sure. dog is a 15 seed. So interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Quick recap of the uh, day to this point. We got, uh, what do we got, four finals in. Come on now, scoreboard. Uh, Florida got by VTech Florida. in uh, overtime. You have Florida, uh, 75-70. to 70. They were getting one and a half in that one. Arkansas was pretty tight. At the half, but uh, they really they stretched out the lead, one by 17, laying eight and a half against Colgate. What do you guys think of that one? A lot of wise guys on Colgate, and they looked real smart early, and then it just fell apart there down the stretch. I mean, I'll say this: Arkansas, Texas Tech, should be one of the highlights of Sunday's round yes. two. It's a really good matchup there. Texas Tech, small favorite. JVT, were you on Colgate? Uh, I was not, but it's not surprising to see uh, Arkansas into the second round. Very well-coached team, a team, I think, with a really high ceiling offensively. It showed in their numbers as well this year, too. So I'm with John. I, I already had that circle. It's probably the best game on the board. I am uh, I was actually surprised Colgate hung as well as they did. When I was looking back at their ledger of 14-1, and one, they had four quality wins against Army. That kind of worried <laughs> me a little bit. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't see any, any real non-con action here outside of the Patriot. But uh, they competed for a half. And uh, they had a good lead. I think they had a double-digit lead yeah, in the first yeah, half. Yeah. Well, you saw some, like, especially like that Virginia Tech-Florida game, a lot of these first halves have been really tight, like a lot of sloppy play, and yeah. a lot of these teams are a little bit better coming out a little slow. And John, you're, you're a bit of an NBA elitist, though. I know you're, you're kind of thumbing your nose on the level of the play here in the college game. True, <laughs> true or false? Uh, very true, actually. Right. I can uh, tell. Very... you got, like, a smirk on your face. You're very dismissive of these college kids. Well, it's funny because, you know, dismissive. Like, I'm not very dismissive. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's funny watching, like, just the collection. You know what stuck out to me Yeah. was the oddities and different shot motions of, like, all of these kids. Like, how many different, like, weird, sh- like, ways they can shoot the right. ball and how right. odd. And, and it still goes in from time to time. But I'm also not the biggest fan of, like, overly coached and low post play and all that garbage. You, uh, But I think you also come from a position of hearing that the NBA sucks now especially from college basketball fans, so you're kind of fighting back. Uh, yeah. That you, is an you, absolutely you, ridiculous you, opinion. You love the, the NBA. The level of play in the NBA is much higher than it's ever been it's by, by a mile. Uh, of course it is. Uh, but then people will watch this 64-64 Ohio State Oral Roberts <laughs> game and be like, this is what the uh, NBA should be. Like, okay. Yeah. Th- th- those are grandpas, John. Yeah. You watch did you? You know, you're still a young man, and I, I used to be still a young man. The other day, the Bucks and the Sixers, it was like 50, it was like 50 to – 60 with two minutes left in the third quarter, and I'm sure people were like, this is what it's supposed to be like. James Harden will take a step. He's already four <laughs> feet beyond the arc. He'll take a step back, and the guy's hand will be right there, and he just buries it. Yep. It's just, it's just silly how good these NBA guys are. We got a 5-12 matchup early. It's actually not that early. It's 14 minutes in. Tennessee can't score. Oregon State hot as a pistol, pistol. here at the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, the 12 seeds up 21-11 to in that one. Baylor is crushing 16 seed Hartford. It's 50 to 30 with 11 minutes left in the game. I did want to mention one thing about that Colgate game. The coach is Matt Langle, who may be due for a rise up in the coaching ranks. And I did update my UNLV head coach candidate list that I've weaned from the Internet, the media, and fans. And I added seven more names today. Langle is one of 65 names on the list. Only 65. I'm surprised, actually. You're not going to try to expand that list a little bit? Uh, You know what? As I see names. you got to keep the the coaching search pretty wide. uh, Right right before the show, I got it to 65 because Steve Wojcikowski fired at at Marquette. Yeah, he's out at Marquette. So, you know, glamorous name. I got a tweet from someone. They're like, put Woj on the list. 65. I think that would be a low-energy hire, Woj. Tell you the truth. 
What do you mean? I don't, I don't he still like does. He still does the slap on the floor thing as a coach. Yeah, I mean, that's high energy. That's what uh, Rebel fans want. I don't Look at the passion on this guy. You know, th- this game here, we're watching Oregon State, Tennessee. I think probably the most interesting betting we saw in one of the games today, uh, one of the Friday games. The wise guys were all over Oregon State. They pushed the number down. And then we saw a ton of sharp money come in on Tennessee, push the number back up. And then the public was all betting Oregon State the dog because, as Steve mentioned, they just won the Pac-12 tournament. Yep. And now they're way ahead. Uh, very two-way action there. A lot of number factors were pointing towards Tennessee routing them, and it's going the other way, Johnny. Uh, Steve, I will say that I was going over your list. I, I thought you you missed one really big name that I think okay. uh, could potentially be deserving of this UNLV job because it's such a high-profile job. Uh, God. <laughs> God should probably be on that list, given the demands yes. of the fan base. How about I, Brad Stevens? <laughs> I mean, well, why not? Indiana had sure. no problem right to the top of the list. Yeah, like, he's going to leave the Celtics in the NBA to come, come right. back to Indiana. Mid-season, right? Because the timelines we'll get, don't exactly and, mesh. So. And, and, and mid-season. <laughs> we'll get Eric Spolstra to come down. You know, <laughs> you know no one's mentioned it yet, but he can hey, be added to the hell? list. Hey, he's a decent coach. Right? So yeah. Oral Roberts now has uh, stretched it out to a three-point lead in overtime. I'm kind of shocked how easily they're scoring inside. Um, this guard for Earl Roberts, which if you're a casual, uh, he's Abmis. You've seen this, right, John? Von Tobel? Uh, you can call me a casual. I have yeah. not seen this. Yes. Max, it's actually Asmus. Oh, his name. Oh. It's actually Asmus. <laughs> Asmus? That's all B Asmus. There. You're okay. asking us for the No, the, the, B, the B silent. Okay. The B oh. silent. Yeah, oh. with the uh, – Ian Eagle was teaching us all how to pronounce his name earlier, so we'll, uh, we'll hear some highlights from this guy. But this guy, he's uh, he's been unbelievable. Just missed a free throw. Come on, bro. 255 left. Chance to go uh, 70 to 66. He got it. He got it. He's good. All right, so what's the day been like? What's the day been like? Uh, the morning wasn't great. You know, we, we won well on uh, on the Virginia Tech-Florida game. We lost all the other games, though, to tell you the truth. A lot of, Very chalky in the morning. You know, we're always going to need to knock out a dog. There was some really sharp money on Drexel, and then they got routed off the floor. Yep. Uh, big blowout there. We could use a we could use a dog here. Oral Roberts would be great. We'd love to see them win. Not a not a lot of O R U money. No, on but the you board. Know, most of the big decisions on a day like today and a day like tomorrow, they're going to come down to the late games. All the parlay money rolls into those night games. Like last night, we we won huge on UCLA because all the parlays throughout the day built to Michigan State. And we, it was a great, great result for us. Now, it's going to be something similar to that tonight. Another three ball. Uh, Oral Roberts of 15, up six with two minutes left. How uh, how we see we talk about it every Sunday, John, during the football season. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious, is there a difference when people are coming to town in terms of popularity of money line parlays? Are they spread parlays, or is this just a you mix know, of everything? I, I think in college hoops, it's more spread parlays. Yeah. I mean, you get the money line parlays too, but the NFL money line parlays are like everything. Yep. And I don't see that quite as much in, in, in the NCAA tournament, although we will get our, our fair share of those as well. But par- probably even more parlays on a day like today than on an NFL Sunday because it's a very novice crowd betting March Madness. A lot of first-timers, and they're just parlaying everything together. That's a, March Madness is such a high-hold event for the casinos. So I'm curious too. I mean, I think one of the obvious angles, at least for me, when I was driving in here, thinking about it, what I, you know, going around town the last couple of days, you mentioned like the novice better, the crowd. What is like? This looks great, right? After the year that we've just had, yeah. uh, the turnout, everything. What has that been like for you guys in terms of what you were expecting and what you actually got? It's been awesome. Yeah. You know, our, our handle yesterday was actually higher than the Wednesday in 2019, the night before the tournament. Our handle in January and February was higher than last January and February. 
I expect our handle this weekend to be higher than 2019. I don't see any reason why it won't be. I think the, I think it helps the first round that it's Friday and Saturday. I think it's actually really good for the first round. Monday, I don't know what's going to happen. It might be kind of slow. But I, I, I expect us to, to break records here handle-wise. All right, we're coming back from break. 15 seed up six. We just have a steal, a turnover? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a previous that habit, but anyway. Look at that step back midi. Look at that. Man, he's a good player. This Oregon State team is impressive, Steve. 25-11. How about the defense? 11 points for Tennessee with four minutes left in the half. 14-4 run last nine minutes. All right, so. Wow. Man, I, I got to get to the app. I'm, I got to get on Earl Roberts right now. Are you guys allowed to bet on the air? I mean, you're, you're at work. Is that, <laughs> it's we're part not allowed to bet at work. Yeah, it's different. Wow. Yeah. Actually, maybe I should consider moving my, my talents to ESPN Radio. Maybe as a side gig. It's pretty much what everyone else does, right, John Von Tobel? Uh, my hours are already getting cut down, John, all right? Let's not bite into that. Right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's it. He's out. That, would, that, would, uh, that might hurt the cause of uh, Adam Hill getting all the shifts he gets. John Murray's in for Adam Hill. No, no. I could, never, I could never stand in for somebody like an Adam Hill type. That's, that's a ridiculous comment. 24-point uh, lead, eight minutes left in the game with Baylor and – Hartford. All right, so what what are the options down here to watch? We you know we can see in the book we've got the four giant screens and you know you guys replaced this during the pandemic. They're be- even better than they've yeah they they were before, which are amazing before. So what else is cooking around the property? Well, the theater's open. The International Theater. It's actually sold out for today and tomorrow. But you no, can't, you can't come down Sunday. Okay, it's sold out. Uh, you got the cabaret open. Uh, in here, you can reserve the last two rows of the brown chairs, and then you the booths and the pods, of course are available a minimum spend charge. Most of the stuff in the front of the room is first come, first serve. The back of the room, you got to reserve it. Most of it's reserved. Yeah. You know, we're getting a great response this week. I think people are very excited to have March Madness back. And it's a pretty, uh, a relatively full house, a socially distanced house, but relatively full. I get the feeling that John Murray is not an emotional guy, but if you really think about where we were a year ago, this is freaking ridiculous I, I remember sitting in my living room on what would have been final four saturday and looking longingly out the window <laughs> so you know i think i, I can be emotional no lo- losing march madness is an absolute disaster for this city and for all college basketball fans so yeah absolutely when i woke up this morning i was fired up there's no doubt yeah and I, you know i brought up a story the other day um that was in the new york post that i thought was really sensationalized it was kind of crappy what the post did uh, taking some pictures downtown, real busy scene on Fremont, and then they had a video walking through. I think it was the Golden Nugget, yep. and uh, it's like people are swarming as the city opens up, like suggesting it's unsafe. And then I'm watching the video down at the Nugget, and it was like 75 people walked by the camera shot, 73 to mask on. The other two were like taking a sip. <laughs> like everyone's masked up. You can't just stand around without a mask on. You don't want to use the word swarming or packed. No, not right now. No. I've been yelled at for using the word packed. Be careful. Keep that, yeah, keep not that out an of agreement, a, not an agreement. Uh, yeah. Out of the vernacular yeah. for about six more months. Especially jam-packed, huh? That's a bad one. That's Ooh, yeah. yes. Those are fighting words. All right, we're going to take a break here. We're just getting into the show. We'll get your score updates throughout. We've got uh, another draft preview. We're going to talk to one of the uh, dudes who covers the Ravens. I do have to follow up on some of the UNLV coaching stuff. I saw some of the comments from the Iowa State AD. Listen, I understand you, you got to sell T.J. Altsberger a little bit to your audience because your fans, because he went – 29 and 30 here, but some of the stuff I heard was just outright ridiculous. 
Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people. Living for today. <laughs> that is as awful yep. a year later as it was when it was put together by Gail Godot, who I thought that was going to be the lowest moment of her life because she got destroyed for like three days at the beginning of the pandemic. You remember that? A bunch of celebrities got together like, let's lift people up by singing an incredibly depressing sounding song. It's not depressing, but let's do that and make sure that we were all doing it from our billion dollar mansions as people may be in for a year of living hell. And in Las Vegas, as an example, 30% unemployment. Let's lift them up by going to acapella, or acapella, whatever it is, um, with Imagine. And I remember you coming in. This is the... I, it, it may be the most pissed off I've ever seen John Von Tobel. Oh. Like, even in sports, you were so mad. <laughs> I mean, because you said it. You're singing this. Like, some of them, by the way, couldn't even bother to get dressed nice, right? In their, like, chateaus and their villas that they're singing from. But it's like, hey, bud, I know you probably just lost your job and you're facing unemployment and, and piling bills in the midst of a pandemic. Maybe you have some loved ones that are sick. Let me sing to you as a rich person who will feel... Probably nothing from all of this. It was just so short-sighted. Like, bro, we don't need to hear from you, all right? You're not so incredible that your presence on my phone is going to make me feel better by singing a crappy song. Like, just stop. It was, yeah, it was, it was one of the worst ideas I think I've ever seen executed in my life. Come on, John, do it. Play it again. John can do it. What did she even say? What is she I, saying? I don't know. Do we have to play the whole thing again? I don't want to. It was so bad. It's dude. awful. Just totally awful. But it, by the way, you know what was worse about it is the fact that every single one of those celebrities was like, "Yeah, people want to hear from me. I'll yep. do this." Yep. I'm gonna pick them up. The arrogance. Amazing. So, what happened with that is the vast sound crew was actually looking in their sound files and uh, to organize everything. Right? Ari, you do this. Um, Everything is done by date, and it just happened that on 319 a year ago, John, these buffoons with that song, Imagine, released it. So it's been exactly a year. Probably It was probably the day before, but um, just about a year ago that we were at the beginning of the pandemic, and everyone's like, our lives are over. And now, look at this. Right. Look at this. We have a socially distanced crowd wearing masks. But we got the tournament. We didn't get the tournament a year ago, which was horrifically depressing. <laughs> but at least we got that video. Yeah. And uh, this place has a really nice crowd. It's not packed. It's not jam-packed. But it's a really nice crowd. And you could the roar, like we're used to the Sunday roars and Saturday roars here. The roar at the end of the game, because we're kind of burying the lead here, the roar at the end of the Oral Roberts-Ohio State game was awesome. Yep. Tell, tell people in the audience if they weren't listening to the call of the game or, you know, they're not – watching as they're driving around or in the office. What happened at the end? Uh, so Ohio State down three in the waning seconds. Doesn't get a great look initially, so it's just a step back three from the corner. From the, from the wing, we'll call it, not the corner. 
uh, which clanks off the iron, but Buckeyes get a rebound, swing it back around to the top of the key for a wide-open look to tie the game. And it is too strong, bounces off the iron, and Ohio State is now going home as a two-seed and the first two-seed eliminated in the NCAA tournament of 2021, Steve Cofield. Wow. Good description, right? Yes. That's good. I was paying attention. And that, that second three was a good look. We, oh, we, were kind of, we were kind of mocking on some of the forced looks that we were seeing out of Ohio State. Uh, it was a nice kick out. I think that was Dwayne Washington Jr., is that yep. what you said? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Clang. So Ohio State, check that, is out. Oral Roberts moves on. Now, am I willing to sit here and say this is the way this tournament's going to be? Not yet. But I did think it would be wild. Uh, we're watching a, another, well, a 16 get their teeth kicked in. Baylor. I thought a lot of people lost faith in Baylor coming into the tournament. Did that feel Did it feel that way to you? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And, and maybe there just wasn't as much buzz around Baylor as it were about some of these other programs. And I do think, you know, Baylor at times, uh, from picking the brains of people who are much smarter than me in their college basketball analysis, uh, is a team that is lacking in terms of its coaching and at times has come up short when they've had some relatively good teams. And I think that potentially has a reason as to why maybe people get a little down on Baylor, don't believe in them as much. But I would generally agree with that statement, yeah. I also think there's some teams in the you know in the Big 12 that seem to be a little bit sexier. Right? I mean, look, Okie State's got an NBA player on that team at Kate Cunningham that might get a little bit more traction in terms of buzz around him than a team like Baylor who's uh, really solid at almost every single position. So right now we've got uh, Loyola, an 8, 35-30 over Georgia Tech, a 9. But there were issues coming into this game with Georgia Tech, right, John? Uh, yeah, uh, well, one of their their best player, the front court player, uh, Moses Wright, ultimately can't play, and that's going to be a pretty big issue considering he was a really good. He's a really good player. Yeah. He's actually one of the very few college basketball players, Steve, I've watched this year, that operates in the low post that like I enjoy watching. Like he's insanely smooth with what he's able to do, and a big part of them offensively and defensively and. But I think that's kind of what you're referring to, right, when you're talking about what this tournament could look like. You know, guys in and out of lineups for various reasons. You're going to get injuries and whatnot, but just the nature of the tournament in this year is going to be insane. I just thought a lot of the teams that were uh, seeded 2 to whatever, 10, Yeah. I don't think there's a big gap between them. Throw them in a hat and pull them out. I just I didn't think there were a lot of great teams beyond uh, Baylor and Gonzaga. And, we, you know, we didn't get to see a, a lot of non-con play, so we don't really know what a lot of these teams were like. Testing themselves against the, uh, you know, squads outside their conference. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if the upsets come through. Uh, this morning, not so much. Not so much. There were some tight games by dogs at the half, but the the favorites pulled away. Good example. Uh, Utah State played a nice first half against Texas Tech. I saw. It seemed like the entire town, or at least I'll, I'll reference it this way, um, a load of experts, right, in the gambling world, were loving Texas Tech before the game. Five, four and a half, four, and Texas Tech was in trouble at the half. They were shooting yep. like hell in the first half. Uh, did you play that game at all? No, I didn't. But I was, I, I watched a good chunk of it because I wanted to see, uh, like you said, you know, Utah State, incredible defensively, very good front court. Obviously, we know what they had, the pieces that they have. Uh, but to put that up against a solid defensive team like Texas Tech and what they were going to be able to do, I actually kind of thought that it would be tough because we know that Utah State at times. I mean, look what UNLV did to them in the first half of their tournament, you know, their Mountain West Conference tournament game, with enough effort. They really threw Utah State for a whirl, and I figured that Beard defensively would have something for them to kind of hold them down. I was surprised by the first half, but it really started to play out in the second half of that. Yeah, it was a bad matchup for yep. Utah State because Utah State is also a defensive team, and they don't shoot the ball well from deep. So 
they fell down early in the second half, and then they, they can't shoot themselves back into the game. So they finished four of 19 from long range, and uh, for the game, I didn't even see what Kata finished with. He was kind of muted in the first half. Decent game, 11 points, 13 rebounds, six assists. Justin Bean had 10 and eight at the half. He only scored three, didn't grab a single rebound in the second, although Utah State did out-rebound Texas Tech by 10, 38 to 28. Uh, Texas Tech, certainly not as good as they've been the last couple of years, but like you said, Beard's calling card is defense. I, I do, I have fun watching Mac McClung. He is a, he is a very risky guy. He's yep. one of those guys who can have a big game, but I think he's also one of those dudes who can fire up a three for 18. So we'll, we'll see what they do the rest of the way. Today he had 16, six of 16 from the floor. He went three of six from well, uh, long range, and he's a Georgetown transfer. He's been pretty good. Timmy, to your point, too, he's, he's probably one of their better players, but, like, from an individual offensive rating standpoint, you know, like a 107.8, according to Ken Palm, like he's not an overly efficient player, no. right? Just a high volume, not necessarily a chucker, but, like, a high volume scorer, right? We see him a lot, and uh, he's definitely one of those guys that could turn in an awesome game or one of those that's just going to be, like, 3 of 11. He's your typical undisciplined, wild, leaper, pure athlete types. Yeah. He actually is. That's like he, said, yes, that's why I said yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people would be like, "What? Uh. <laughs> He's a six-one white." Yeah, like, he is. He actually he came. He, he got he got a lot of fame in high school. I thought he was more heady. Uh, yeah, he's no. no that's that's <laughs> a, that's the thing. He's not. <laughs> he's not. He is a he's a uber athlete. He actually came to a pretty decent level of fame with high school videos and dunk contests. He's an amazing dunker at six-one. 6'2", and he's already, uh, he's he's blonde, so he's already, unfortunately, developing the isthmus in the front. Oh, boy. Kind of the, the balding, the yeah. premature balding. But, you know, who cares? He'll, he'll play in Europe, and I'm sure he'll be a friggin' superstar and make lots of money and maybe get a, a cup of coffee here in the NBA down the road. And uh, I think he's if he wants to come back for a couple more years, he can. I think he's a, a junior, so if this year doesn't count, yeah, he's a junior. So he's a good guy to build around. I'm going to comp him to Alex Caruso. Uh, don't do that, no. <laughs> actually, you know what? The funny thing is Caruso's a lot bigger. Right. Caruso's 6'4". Um, Alex Caruso is actually a really good athlete. Like he, uh, You, you yeah. see him in the open court sometimes, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. All right, we're going to throw that one down in traffic. Yep. Let's do it. All right, we take a break here. Loyola's up five. Eight against nine. Uh, that's against Georgia Tech. Were you surprised how much money was wagered uh, on Loyola to push it from, what was it, three and a half? Mm-hmm. Uh, it got actually got up to Loyola six. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not like I wasn't insanely surprised because I feel like this Loyola team just w- the way that they won, they had the run a couple of years ago, so that's automatically going to put a lot of people like they're going to have confidence in them, like public betters um, initially. But I think also like I mean, at least when I watched them this year, you know, I watched them against Drake every single time and a few of their other conference games. I think they're a really good team. I think they're a really impressive team from a defensive standpoint. Obviously, Kretwig in the front court's pretty good, so I wasn't like insanely surprised given the fact that Georgia Tech. I think a lot of people too thought were gifted the AQ bid and, and, you know, the run through the ACC tournament. Got to love betting the games, man. Yep. Baylor, it's it's done. Baylor's got this game in hand. Hartford just had a nice oop on a mini break, and the crowd here went nuts, but it wasn't because of the, the oop. It's 76-51, one and a half uh, left in the game, and the spread on the game is 25 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. So people are glued to the TV, and, I'm, you know, now it's uh, virtually done. 122, 25-point lead. So we'll see if uh, Hartford makes a little run here to cover on the uh, the back door. It's Superbook Sports inside the big sports book, one of the best in the world. It is. It really is. As we're hanging out at the Westgate, come on down here. you got multiple spots. You can watch the games. Up next, 
We're going to talk a little uh, Tom Izzo. And, and by the way, I gave the you know, like real aggressive tease on uh, T.J. Altsberger and what the AD at Iowa State was saying. I'll, I'll get to it later on, but it's the Iowa State AD was like really pitching the case that, hey, don't worry about the 29 and 30 record. And a, a lot of it was about like, Hey, a lot of things were out of his hands, and he had a, you know, he had a really tough scenario here. And I got to push back on that. We got to tell the truth about the roster of the last couple of years. So we'll get to that. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. On cue. Oh, oh, again, Ace Miss cannot miss from downtown. I mispronounced his name at first. Oh, I think and I everybody does. I apologize. Everybody's man. trying to figure it out. I apologize. Is Nelly here, by the way? I believe you just quoted Nelly. It is getting hot in here. <laughs> That's good. I like that, Bird. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Do it. Come on, John. I tried to get you to sing that Imagine song. Oh, you want that one? Or? <laughs> yes, I want it. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. All right, how awesome is that? Um, again, I'm not rooting against favorite players, but you can tell clearly at Superbook Sports here that Baylor minus 25 and a half was the pick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Generally, it's the massive favorite who is getting most of the cheering support at the sportsbook. Baylor was between 23 and 26 down the stretch, laying 25 and a half. And, uh, well, they went back and forth. And in the end, Hartford hits a layup. They wound up losing by, what, 24? Mm-hmm. So they got just inside the number. Uh, there was about 20 seconds left. Baylor dribbles up. You know, no one goes freaking rogue and tries to act like an ass and score up that big. So inside the number. So a lot of Baylor betters wind up losing in the end. But Baylor does advance. And that's all the that counts in the end, right, John? Not the covers. It is Vegas, though. The covers count, too. Great teams cover, Steve. So updates on what's going on right now. Uh, you got Georgia Tech with a spurt, 39-37, second half, over Loyola of Chicago. And we told you, Loyola got a lot of action because Georgia Tech's best player is out because of COVID. Um, I should go down to Acemas, or back to, that call courtesy CBS, Ian Eagle, I think it was Grant Hill with him. Ace Miss, ready-made star for the next round. He went for 29. He actually wasn't even the leading scorer on the team. So Oral Roberts clearly is going to be a uh, a thorn in the side here. And Ohio State is out. Well, I mean, look, generally teams that make deep runs can, you know, create upsets in the NCAA tournament are led by good guard play, right? Good guards in college basketball are hard to come by. And if you have a guard that can be ball dominant, take over a game, but do it with efficiency while getting others involved in, it generally bodes well for your success in the NCAA tournament. We've seen it time and again, and we saw it here with Oral Roberts. So two seed, out. I haven't seen numbers yet. Have you on uh, – did they put it – I don't know if they put it out during the day, but I wonder how many – and you know, like giant bracket contests like ESPN, I wonder how many – what percentage of the entrants actually had Ohio State as a Final Four team? Oh, yeah. That's a kick in the teeth if you're, if you're in a contest and one of your Final Four teams goes goes out in the first round. Also, um, there's a lot of last-man-standing contests. Yep. And I'm assuming – I don't even know the strategy on that. I get, you wouldn't – would you take a two early? I guess you – would you? Where's Adam Hill? He was talking about this last night on our, our podcast. 
I mean, that, that's got to kill some last man standings. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the two. The two fifteen is not the most rare thing in the world. We've seen it, so I would not really, I wouldn't really feel comfortable doing it early just to get eliminated like that. I think I'd rather go one sixteen if I'm taking my shot on a big favorite early. Uh, football news today. Actually, you know, well, you know, what? I'm going to save the Tom Izzo stuff for next hour. Uh, Izzo was kind of interesting last night in losing and ending the season against UCLA. Did you see that uh, Juju signed? What happened here? So I saw that he had signed. What is going on? Well, did something else happen? Because I saw that he signed and, like, it's funny because I was reading his statement initially and it sounded like he was not going back to Pittsburgh. And I was like, oh, man, he's okay. He's leaving. And then he actually actually did resign. He said, this is my home. They're going to need a wrecking ball to take me out of here. Pittsburgh, I love you. Let's go. Imagine. But, like, what really happened? Because he was graded as a top four receiver. Some people had him as two, number one. He got a one-year deal to remain with the Steelers. Yep. Well, I will say this. One-year year deal? Clearly. I mean, unless he took a crappy offer because he really wanted to stay with Pittsburgh. Which is, you know, a I guess potentially there, but I don't think you would do that, especially it's only one year. There's no security there, right? Uh, we do know that from a grade standpoint, PFF's not the end-all, be-all, but he didn't have a great year. Under 70, uh, was not as reliable as he had been in years past. And I think on top of that, whether it's fair or not, knucklehead, I think, is probably the proper term for Juju Smith-Schuster. Yep. And so I, I think given the dip in production, the knucklehead mentality and all of that combined, you can spin it as Pittsburgh, I'm never leaving. <laughs> or it was you had a whole bunch of one-year deals on the table and you're like, might as well just stay here because I live here right now. Uh, up next, let's continue to talk some football. We'll get your score updates as we're going to be here until 6 o'clock covering the first round of the tournament at the Westgate. We'll find out about the Ravens, what's happened so far in free agency, and we'll talk to one of the experts from uh, 105.7 The Fan as we continue our path to the draft. Baltimore up today at the number 27 pick. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. Presented by Weed Sellers. WeedSellers.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Pick number 27 is up. We're uh, tracking the NCAA tournament here at the Westgate. Uh, Oregon State coming out of the half. Now a 15-point lead up from uh, 14 at the break. 36-21, 17-47 left in that one. And uh, Loyola Chicago now back in front of Georgia Tech, back and forth game, 53-47 with eight minutes left. We're keeping an eye on Porter Moser and all these coaching searches. All right, let's get into the Ravens. Jeremy Kahn does radio in Baltimore for 105.7 The Fan, and he uh, he likes to bet games. We'll get to that, get some uh, maybe some late-night picks, leans, likes from Jeremy. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get into some football news here. First of all, in the division, uh, I, I mean – when I saw the Juju Smith-Schuster news come across and it was a one-year deal back to the Steelers for $8 million, I'm like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, I mean, it kind of caught me off guard, too, because then the story came out, and the Ravens have been real secretive about what they've been doing um, in free agency, but apparently the Ravens actually offered a little bit more money than what the Steelers did. He took less to go back there. I just saw a tweet back and forth from Marlon Humphrey to Juju. He was like, hey, man, you can't even uh, read my DMs because I'm trying to give you my recruiting pitch, but... Um, you know, just interesting enough the way this offseason's been, uh, and I think things are just going to get crazier 
Uh, once teams start getting closer to the cap after the draft, we may see more cuts. But uh, the Ravens, I think a lot of fans here are wondering what the hell they're going to do. Yeah, I would assume on Monday a lot of the talk in Baltimore would be like, well, what did we offer? The Ravens couldn't top a one-year $8 million deal? Yeah, well, I mean, they did. But they he, did, but, I mean, did they offer him two years? Back. Did they offer him two years? I mean, I, I just I can't imagine that someone didn't step up. But maybe a lot of it is Juju was down a little bit, and then he was, you know, all the buffoonery up on TikTok, and a lot of the league was like, you know what, we're not interested right now. But it, hasn't it been a really weird offseason for wide receivers, though? I yep. mean, we saw some of the top guys get franchised, and then the, the expectations were we are going to see, like, crazy money. But I don't think it's been that. I mean, you look around like Corey Davis didn't get ridiculous money, not that he deserved anything like that. Kenny Galladay's still out there. I mean, I guess the expectation was that he wanted way more money, and uh, I think the Ravens are kicking the tires on him to see if they could bring him in. But, you know, people here in Baltimore are always like, is this a place where, you know, wide receivers want to come? Um, you know, with all due respect, it's a run-first team that they're going to run it 60% of the time. And even though Lamar's won an MVP and, and threw more touchdowns from the pocket than anybody two years ago, and some of that had to do with the injuries around the league, I think people are very curious, like, are, are they going to pay a top-notch wide receiver to come in here? Because it hasn't been their M.O. They usually break out those coupons and get them out there like, hey, uh, you know, they're denning cans in the, the aisle trying to see what's going on uh, and, and trying to save some money. They bring in Anquan Bolton at the back end of his career. It worked out. Steve Smith, Derek Mason. I mean, we can go on and on and on with receivers. A lot of people thought guys like A.J. Green would probably end up here or a T.Y. Hilton, and I guess we'll wait and see what happens with some of the other ones, but um, maybe they're going to focus on that on the draft. I don't know. We're talking Ravens. We'll get the draft preview here in just a couple minutes. Uh, Jeremy Kahn is with us from The Fan in Baltimore. All right, give me the top narrative you know, with the, the Ravens in terms of what's happened and comings and goings in free agency. Is it uh, Matthew Judon or is it someone else? Well, it's interesting that they didn't bring back any of those guys except for um, Tyus Bowser, who, you know, there was some talk with Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser. Williams has been gone. Like, would they just let both of these guys go? Did they miss in the draft? And to be honest with you, the Ravens have kind of had that M.O. Like, Matt Judon's a fifth-round pick. Zedarius Smith, who was, you know, on the Packers, signed a big deal. Uh, Pernell McSee left a while back and went to the Bears and came back to the Ravens and just signed back on. They really don't have any legitimate pass rushers now, with all due respect to Tyus Bowser, seeing what he does now that he's going to be essentially the, the, the outside backer on the strong side. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. That, to me, they have to get another pass rush. Even with bringing him back, they lose Judon, they lose Ngothway. They weren't really happy with uh, what they got from Unique. But with Judon, he was pro- we all thought he was going to get overpaid on the open market. So, to me, getting a pass rusher is imperative, even with the wide receiving core they have and needing to get better in that area. Seems like they shored up the offensive line with Kevin Zeitler. Um, after losing Yonda a year ago, so now he comes in and he'll replace him. But, um, you know, this is still a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl, but they have a lot of things coming up. And football's a game of chess, basically, because, you know, they got to figure out our, what are they paying Lamar Jackson. they got to pay Mark Andrews. They've got some other guys short up. They've got Orlando Brown saying he wants out because he wants to be a left tackle, and they just paid Ronnie Stanley. So there could be more moves uh, coming up, but right now I think that's what they're primarily focused yeah, of local interest here. You mentioned Stanley and the horrific injury, and I'm glad he got his money before, you know, he uh, he hurt the leg. He's a Bishop Gorman guy in Vegas. But Ngakwe signed with the Raiders. We've had a bunch of football experts on, and to a man, almost all of them were like, eh, kind of a one-dimensional guy. Can he be out there all the time? I mean, he, he was with Gus Bradley in Jacksonville during some of his most productive years. You got a, a little cup of coffee from him in Baltimore. Did the Raiders get something good here, or did they overpay it, you know, two years, 13 mil a year? 
I don't think they overpaid. I mean, it's kind of the going rate for pass rushers. But i got to be honest, man. Like, when, when the Ravens made that trade to get Ngakwe, I said, I think this is the piece that's going to help put them over the top because they needed another pass rusher. The Ravens have run more cover zero than any team in the league. And, you know, they'll, they'll sit here and blitz, blitz, blitz and leave that secondary, which is really solid, kind of hanging out to dry. And they usually hold their own. But that's a recipe for disaster, if you ask me, if you're doing it over the long haul. So when they got Ngakwe, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Pair him with Judon. His numbers get better because they can't double-team him. And he was somewhat non-existent here. And, you know, we all say it uh, because it didn't work out in Minnesota. You're going, oh, fresh start here with Baltimore. Defensive players come here. They have success. And it just didn't come to fruition. It didn't happen. So, um, you know, I I guess it's a wait-and-see approach because he may get there, be in that system, and flourish getting after the quarterback. But here he really didn't show all that much. So, Jeremy, as we kind of look ahead to uh, what the Ravens might do here in the NFL draft, I mean, what do you think the tact is once they get there? Is it going to depend on the guys that they acquire in free agency? They've been tied to a couple of DBs in some mock drafts, and, you know, they love their defensive backs, one of the better defensive backfields in the league. What do you think the strategy is once we get to uh, the NFL draft? They are the most frustrating team to talk about when it comes to the draft, and I'm a huge draft, Nick, and I love discussing it, talking about where players are going. It doesn't matter if they're picking 10th or 30th, whatever it may be. You know, they always uh, spew this whole thing about taking the best player available because we can look at them and see what their needs are. You know, they need another wide receiver. They need another pass rusher. Are you going to get an impact player at 27 at that point um, that can come in and help you this year when you're a team that's expected to make a run for the Super Bowl? Um, You know, they could go anywhere, to be honest with you. Like, nothing would shock me with them. You know, the year that they needed pass catchers, we're all screaming about it. They got a solid secondary, and everybody wanted them to take O.J. Howard. He's still on the board, and they draft Marlon Humphrey. They ended up being right on that because Humphrey is you know, one of the better defensive backs in the league, and O.J. Howard may still end up being a good player, but it kind of caught everybody off guard here thinking that they were going after a pass catcher. So I hate being like straddling the fence here or whatnot, but uh, who knows what they're going to do because um, you know they've been linked to like Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU. Um, other players have been named. If they end up trading Orlando Brown, do they use both of those first? If they end up getting a first-round pick for him or an early second, do they use those to move up and get someone they covet? Because they, they love drafting, and nothing would shock me. Like, sitting here talking about it, it wouldn't shock me to see them trade back into the second round and not have a first round and just get even more picks. They're a team that signs these street-free agents, so they get more uh, compensatory picks. So um, I hate being a little bit nondescript here with it, but we really have no idea what they're going to do. We know what their needs are. It doesn't mean they're going to address those first round. I was also thinking, too, I mean, one of the positions that hasn't really been, it's not very heralded, and it might not be the deepest first round as you get to the end of it, but an offensive line, what do you like the status of the offensive line for Baltimore at this point and what they might look at in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, so with Grad and Kevin Zeitler, and, you know, he's been a reliable guy, uh, hasn't been injured much. He had that streak going on before he finally got hurt. You know, as he's, he's getting older, too. They're expecting him to come in and be that replacement for Yonda. And then the big question is, if they move Orlando Brown, can they get a vet to fill in there? Is it something that they address through the draft? And, oh, by the way, if you trade him, like there's, Ronnie Stanley had two separate knee surgeries. So, and we didn't know that until they actually had um, a press conference this past week talking about it. Um, they expect him to be ready for training camp. But, you know, somebody coming back from injury. So there's a lot that could go wrong there. And if you trade Zeus, uh, Orlando Brown Jr., then all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where you might not have any tackles on your roster that you trust or like. And this is coming off a season where they were kind of moving pieces around on the offensive line. So I do think they, they draft a couple of um, offensive linemen on the interior. They need help at center. Uh, the story that we were reading um, here this week was that they may take Bradley Bozeman, who is one of their better guards, and try him at center, put Zeitler at that right guard spot. 
and try to shore up the offensive line that way. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7, the fan in Baltimore. All right, so did you have anything working this morning in the NCAA tournament? You got any uh, leans or likes for uh, the evening and night? Yeah, man, I, like I really liked Arkansas, and that game looked a lot like this Tennessee game where, you know, they got <laughs> Colgate jumped all over him, and I'm going, man, this sucks, and then Arkansas came back. But two of my favorite plays, like Tennessee couldn't hit water if they fell off a freaking boat right now. And they're, they're down, what, 17 points, and it's just abysmal watching them play against Oregon State. Um, I liked Utah State a ton, and uh, they had that streak that they went on where things weren't looking good, obviously. So, I mean, as far as uh, some of the games later on tonight that I like personally, I like North Texas against Purdue. Um, my favorite plays tonight might be, like, Liberty plus the points. I like Villanova against Winthrop. Um, and I got a kind of a hunch on Syracuse against San Diego State. I like San Diego State a lot, but uh, maybe that uh, we've seen this before where Syracuse, I don't think much of them watching them throughout the year, but they get into the postseason and that matchup zone frustrates the hell out of teams. So, um, but my favorite play tomorrow is Colorado. I love Colorado against Georgetown. Being that close to them, if you watch Georgetown all year long, they're one of the worst turnover teams in the country. They got hot in the Big East tournament. Good for them. I think Colorado is a much better team. Um, I think they blow them out uh, as long as they can keep, you know, they're not knocking down threes left and right. But I like Colorado a lot tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, I missed on my two favorite plays today. What well, it looks like it was Tennessee. Tennessee would have to do a hell of a lot to help me out here right now, and I don't see it happening. It's got to keep firing. Got to keep firing. Uh, Jeremy, tell people <laughs> where they can find your uh, your sports gambling stuff because I know you're doing a lot of podcasts and appearances and hosting. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while. Uh, so, um, Intercom will have me fill in on uh, the BetQL stuff with uh, – you better, you bet, and bet sweats. But uh, I post all my picks on PressBoxOnline.com. It's a local newspaper. I, I wanted to do some free stuff, so they pay me a little bit of money, and it allows me to keep my picks for free. So I posted all my March Madness picks over there uh, for the first two weeks. And then, um, you know, I, I continue to post stuff on social media when I find it or if anything happens. But you guys have seen it. The NBA and college basketball with COVID, things have been so insane with players sitting at the last minute. So uh, always check the information to make sure make sure you're getting the right lines and, and nothing's changed drastically. Jeremy, that was a good spot, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks. There is Jeremy Kahn, developing voice in sports gambling and uh, one of the hosts at the Fan in Baltimore. Really good information on the Ravens. We'll follow up on the interview, a little more Ngakwe conversation. We'll get you more scores as, uh, yeah, Oregon State keeps rolling. They're up 18, the uh, 12 against the 5 Tennessee. There's 13 and a half minutes left in the game. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.